Good morning and welcome to the Houghton Wesleyan Church. It's a blessing to be with you you here this morning. Um, Please stand for the call to worship. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. Please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for the promise that in the darkest days, you are there covering us, sheltering us, and giving us hope. Help our hearts to be here this morning with you, to hear your word, and to be open to it. In the Lord's name we pray, amen.
Before you're seated, uh, take a moment, share a word of greeting with others here in worship today. How about that? Better? There we go. That button goes one way or the other, so, you know, it's going to work. We welcome you to our worship service today. Uh, Especially welcome those of you who may be guests here this morning. We're so happy to have you here. And uh, are looking forward to this experience together in worshiping our Lord. There are a few things I want to uh, just mention to you uh, next week. Uh, A couple of things. Next Sunday morning, we go back to our regular worship schedule of services at 820, 940, and 11. So uh, please take note of that. If you know of people who are not here today, uh, it might not be a bad idea to remind them of that and uh, the uh, different schedule part of that next Sunday. And next Sunday evening, we uh, have our annual potluck picnic cookout that we're doing. Hopefully it will be nice weather. We'll be out here in the side yard. And you see information there about uh, things to bring. And we hope that everyone will be a part of that. We are welcoming uh, college students who are here on campus early and uh, celebrate with them and get a chance to engage with them as well. And uh, there's also a note in the bulletin about a lot of things, but one of them about small groups. And if you're interested in being a part of a small group, if you're not already, uh, you can contact Pastor Paul and his information is there in the bulletin. I'd like to invite you to stand again with us as we continue in worship together. In my wrestling and in my doubts, in my failures, you won't walk out. Your great love will lead me through. You are the peace in my troubled sea. Oh, you are the peace in my troubled sea.
The whole world was lost in the darkness of sin. The light of the world is Jesus. Like sunshine at noonday, His glory shone in. The light of the world is Jesus. No darkness for those who in Jesus abide. The light of the world is Jesus. Walk in the light when we follow our guide. The light of the world is Jesus. Come to the light, shining for Old Testament scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 126. 
Hear the word of the Lord. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord. As the ushers come forward to collect our tithes and offerings, please stand for the doxology. Dear Lord, let us take this opportunity to give back to you, to use our gifts that you have given us to give back and further your kingdom. In the Lord's name we pray, amen.
It's because of what God has done for us that we have confidence to believe what God will do for us. And as we uh, prepare to spend some time praying together, I uh, wanted to give you an opportunity to just maybe take a couple of moments and uh, to share some words of praise uh, to God for what he may be doing in your life or in those around you. Uh, Gus Princell wanted to share a little bit. It's been a little while since they've been here, and he wanted to share a word. And when Gus is done, John, Pastor John has a microphone. We'll run that around. We'll just take a couple of minutes. But if you want to share um, a word of praise, of thanksgiving, uh, we'd love to hear that as we continue worshiping together. Gus? I want to thank this whole church for praying. And I want to emphasize one thing that I learned and Louise has learned um, from Pastor West. What Pastor West is doing now in leading the congregation and praying for those who need help, and they need help from only one person, God, you have all had a part. Thank you. Uh, I'm 90, going on 97. 70 years ago, we left Houghton, Louise, me, and baby John, three weeks old, and John came, and John wanted to take me to church, and Louise said, I want to go. It's the first time in 13 weeks she's here. And what do you do when you don't have time for devotions, when you don't have time to pray, when you don't have time for anything but to help one another get through pain and suffering? The presence of the Lord is with us, whether in sickness or in health. And you just sang the doxology. That was one thing Louise was doing. And the other thing she was telling me from Joshua said to Moses, I will never leave you or forsake you. So the Lord has never left us or forsake us. And I want to emphasize again the importance of the pastoral prayer. I never got it before the way I got it this time. Because when all is left, you have God. And God is enough. Or anything you go through. Thank you for letting me share. And Louise would like to say probably a word. Just praise the Lord. He is so good. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Thank you. Anybody else have a, a word of praise? Thanksgiving you want to share real quickly? Many of you probably know that I had a, a scooter that um, kept dying on me. And uh, so I started looking through Amazon about golf carts. And uh, I was presented with one not too long ago. And uh, I didn't have to pay. I appreciate that. More than words can ever say. Anyone else? I thank God for this opportunity to stand up to say a few words about what God has done for me. Um, two years ago, he opened the way for me to come to Houghton. Uh, just like Jacob was telling, um, I mean, was saying, when he crossed the river back to the land of Hebrew where he left, 
he said, with this staff, I crossed over this uh, river some 20 years ago. Now he was coming back with a lot children, wives, and others. So I can say, two years ago, I came here alone, not uh, planning that I mean, my family will join, but God in his mercy opened the way and planned it, made it possible that my family could join us, join me here. I thank God for that. Thank you. Anybody else? As a lot of you know, Jane had breast cancer surgery in the fall, and she had follow-up test uh, meetings with her doctor uh, in July, and as at this point, she's cancer-free, so we're very, very thankful for your prayers and thoughts through that. Praise the Lord. That's great. Thank you. Mrs. Princell always used to say, I'm just praising the Lord all over the place. And I would smile because I thought that was a nice thing to say. But today I know what she means. I'm praising the Lord all over the place. And other than my wedding day, this is the happiest day I've been in church. Did I hear somebody else? I was just praising for here. I think I'm Okay. Thank you. And uh, we're very thankful that uh, our son uh, Christopher had a about of uh, acute appendicitis and it was diagnosed quickly and it was able to be taken care of and he's home recovering now. Hmm. Thank you. I also want to um, echo Sunshine's um, testimony there of the wonderful creation that we have here. But yet, as I look at the creation, I see the creator behind it. And God's word truly does speak to our hearts. And it's God's word that brings us hope. And this week, we lost a good friend in uh, Mildred, uh, Donnie Stockton's mom. And um, we think of our own loss of our daughter, Bonnie, four years ago yet. And we have a hope that there is life beyond what we have here right now. And uh, thankful for our salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you. Well.
Thank you. This is Bruce Hess. I want to praise the Lord for his goodness and faithfulness and praise him for this church and all that every one of you mean to Donna and me. This summer we've had three trips to Indianapolis, OMS headquarters. One of those was, I guess you could say, a required chapel where I had to be honored for my retirement and Donna's retirement, although she retired a few years ago. I did last year. Uh, the Lord gave me a number of things to say, mainly to focus on him, and he brought to my thoughts our uh, chapter and verse for our wedding and for our lives together. Uh, Psalm 48, 14 is the, the key verse. This God, the God that is talked about, the God of Zion, into that in that chapter, um, is our God. He is our guide unto death, or He is our guide, as it says in one rendering, to the end, or He is our God, as another rendering says, forever. He's the forever God. So, as we look at the city of Zion, and we think of heaven, but. We're just retired. We're ready for the next step. And then we'll step into heaven. So let's continue to work here at Houghton and wherever God leads us. And we praise God for his faithfulness and his promises all the way. Thank you. Thank you. I'd be amiss if I didn't stand up and give thanks to God for protection of my daughter. She's doing well. Thank you for your prayers. Um, we were fortunate to have that week off. So we got to spend the time with her. So just thank you very much for your prayers, and I praise God because it was his protection. I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to all of those who went on the trip to Puerto Rico. I was not able to go with them, but I know that there was a, definitely an impact just from what I saw, what I heard, people I spoke to. And I want to thank all of you for your support, for the team, for your prayers, and um, just for your willingness to love um, my family and those who are there. Well, now that we've given thanks to God, let us also uh, join our hearts and our minds together in in asking for God's continued grace and the needs and the burdens that are before us. Father, we are amazed and thrilled at these things we've heard about today and so many more that are in our hearts. The ways in which you work in this world. We come to you in thanksgiving and praise. Father, we come today and pray for the needs and the burdens that we represent here today. We pray for the family of Mildred Berry and ask for your grace of, of comfort and peace on them in this time of loss and death. For all who are grieving today, we pray that you will give each one your comforting presence and your peace and your strength through difficult times. We pray, Father, for your healing 
upon all who are going through difficulties that relate to our bodies and our and circumstances in this world. We pray for Aaron Taylor Kohler and for Karen Gardy, for Phil Maine and Dan Gurley, for Florence Tuber and Rosalind Danner, for Isabella Doherty, for Gus and Louise Princell, for Nancy Cole, Peter Lingenfelter, for Doris Asepian and Isla Shea, Sheldon Emerson and Bill Getty, for Mike Raybuck and Bev Rett and Emily Cricklar and others who may be on our minds and our hearts today. And we pray for your healing grace upon each of them. Father, we, we pray for, for not only ourselves, but for the, the world around us. We thank you for the ministries of this church and the opportunities that we have to serve each other. We thank you for other churches that are also serving you and serving each other. We pray today for the Dalton United Methodist Church and Pastor Turner. May your grace be upon this gathering of believers, upon their worship, upon their service, their compassion, their love, all that they are and all that they do. May they reflect your grace as you work among them. And Father, we, we pray for the, the wider world of which we are a part. We think, Father, of, of the earthquake victims in Indonesia. And other places where there are disasters. We think of the fires raging in California. And we ask that you would bring help. You would bring an end to, to the disasters. And that you would bring hope to those who may feel hopeless. We pray, Father, for places of war and violence that are commonplace. And ask that you would bring your peace to bear. We think, Father, of so many refugees around the world. Many of them are refugees because of their faith in you. And Father, we, we know that in our country there is much debate, there is, there is much uh, political discourse about it. But Father, we, while we want our, our nation to be safe and we pray that you'd give to the leaders of our nation the ability to do what is right, we also pray that you would fill us with compassion for people who are so vulnerable and so needy. And we ask, Father, that you would help us individually to have hearts of compassion. And we pray that you would meet the needs of all of these millions and millions of refugees. That you would help them to find a place that could be home for them and safe for them. And we ask for your grace upon them. Father, we pray for uh, your work of your work of your church around the world as well. And we pray for Leah Doty today as she is in the process of of preparing about Bible translation among the people to whom you have called her in Southeast Asia. We pray that you will give her all that she needs to prepare and to be ready to help translate your word so that these people can have your scriptures in the language that is most familiar to them. Father, thank you for all that you are doing in us and in this place. We thank you for your grace and mercy upon us. As we move forward in the next few weeks and, and as preparations for our educational institutions all around us to begin, we pray that you will give us the ability to prepare and that this will be an awesome year of not only growing and learning educationally, but also spiritually and relationally. Father, thank you for hearing our prayers. We offer them in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
remembering the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The New Testament scripture reading this morning comes from Romans 5, 1 through 11. And following the scripture reading, children may just be dismissed for children's church. Hear the word of the Lord. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of the Lord. Not only so, but we also rejoice rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us, Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom he has given us. You see, just as the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we now have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, when we are God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord.
Please be seated. You know those moments when you you sort of want to say, somebody pinch me, I can't believe this is actually happening. Those moments that you may have dreamed about, you may have, have thought about, you may have hoped for and wished for, but quite frankly, you never really thought it could ever happen. I, I grew up uh, loving baseball. I followed baseball all of my life. I could tell you every player on most every team as a child growing up. I, could, I, mean, I couldn't remember to do anything my mother asked me to do, but I could give you the batting averages of everybody who ever played, probably. I'll tell you all the World Series winners. I mean, I love baseball, I playing baseball, of watching baseball, of going to baseball games. And, you know, and, and I remember reading books when I was a child about what it was like to be the bat boy of a, of a baseball team and the story of that. And I thought to myself, that would be one of the most awesome things in the world to be able to do that. And on my 40th birthday... Cindy arranged with Bill Swanson, who was the batting practice pitcher for the Bisons, for us to, Buffalo Bisons, to go up there early and to, to go and, and be on the field for batting practice. Now, I, for, the, for about five days before that, I couldn't think of anything else but doing that. I mean, I, I was so excited. And we drove up there. We got in there. Bill took us into the clubhouse. He took us into the dugout. We sat in the dugout. We met some players. We met the coaches. And then the greatest thrill, we got to actually go out in the outfield and shag fly balls during batting practice. We're in this stadium, you know, there, and these guys are hitting fly balls. And I have to tell you, they hit those balls a lot higher and harder than I ever imagined before. I mean, balls are dropping behind me, in front of me, all over the place. But it was a, we had time for our lives. The boys were there. They were out with us on second base. And, you know, the, a couple of players gave them some bats. I mean, it was days before that smile and the grin on my face was left. I mean, it was, I kept thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm actually experiencing this. It was amazing. And it was... You wish you had videos. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was telling Bill this morning, I was going to tell the story. He goes, I remember looking over there and thinking, wow, this guy, how could anybody be that happy out here? And, you know, I, I, it, was, it was glorious. It's one of those moments you think it would never happen, and it does. And you feel like you're having a dream. And you have those moments too. It's probably not about baseball. It's about something else. Something that you never could have dreamed possible, but you're thinking about it. You're like, somebody, am I dreaming? Is this real? And that's exactly what the writer of Psalm 126 is saying. When this psalm begins, the writer says, when the Lord brought back his exiles to Jerusalem, it was like a dream. One of the translations says, we were like people who dreamed. Could this really be true? Could this really be happening? Now, the context of, of, that, of the, those feelings they have is that they had 70 years earlier gone into exile. They had rejected God. I was going to read for us First Chronicles 36, a fair amount of that passage, but I won't. But there's this whole long litany of the fact that how the people rebelled against God and the leaders rebelled against God. And God kept sending them prophets to, to bring them back and to draw them to him. And they kept ignoring them until finally God said, okay, I'm going to give you what you want. And that is a life without me. 
And the king of Babylon comes and destroys the people, kills the people. He destroys the city, burns down the temple, the walls, everything. The city is everything in it is left desolate. And he takes the few of the people back to Babylon as captives. And other psalms say that we were in Babylon and we wept. We yearned for Jerusalem. And everything in them is about if we could only get back to Jerusalem. But it's a pipe dream. And yet God does it. Seventy years later, he brings them back. And in fact, the writer says, not only was it like a dream to us, but we were filled with laughter. We sang with joy. It was one of the most exciting moments of our lives. But even this, and the other nations said, what amazing things the Lord has done for them. The other nations watched Israel being led out as slaves. They watched the city being destroyed. And they thought, these people have had it. They're done. And for God to bring them back is like nothing they have ever seen before. They are as amazed about it as the Israelites are. And they say, it is amazing what God has done for us. And they celebrate. And there's this great sense of joy among the people of Israel that God has done this amazing thing. You guys spoke, many of you shared today about what God has done in your life and ways in which you've seen God at work. And every time we do that, it brings joy to us because joy is always connected to gratitude. I've never yet in my life met anyone who was joyful and ungrateful. It's impossible. What makes us happy? What brings joy to us? It's recognizing, giving thanks for what has happened to us. And the people of Israel are saying, God has been so amazing, so good. We can't even begin to dream it. And yet we're experiencing it. Thank you, God. And in that gratitude, there is joy. But that's not the end of the psalm. You know, lots of, when you read the psalms, often they are prayers. Many of the psalms are, are prayers, and, and, and there are lots of requests and lo- asking God to do lots of things. In this psalm, there's just one prayer. There's just one request. At the beginning of verse 4, the, the psalmist says, Restore our fortunes, Lord. There are a ver- variety of translations of that passage. Some of them say, Bring back our captives. And, and I've been wrestling with what exactly that means. They've already given thanks to God for bringing them back for releasing them from captivity, for setting them free, for rescuing them. So now what are they asking? And something in my mind is wondering, are they now saying, Lord, you rescued us, you brought us back, and we have failed once again. So restore us anew. Now, if that's the case, we all can, rec- we all can relate to that. We all know the experience of God doing something phenomenal for us, of setting us free from something, of sensing his forgiveness, and then finding ourselves right back in the place where we need to come to him and ask again. We've all experienced that. But I wonder if there isn't something deeper going on than that. Uh, It strikes me that perhaps what the psalmist is saying is that, Lord, thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for setting us free. Thank you for doing what you've done. Now, now that we've arrived in Jerusalem, make us your people. Do something more. 
We, don't, we want more of you. We want deeper things with you. We want to experience intimacy with people. We want to get back to what it means to be your people. We want to know not just the joy of being rescued. We want to know the joy of being restored. The joy of experiencing intimacy with you and life with you. And I think there is, this is really, I think, an idea of the kingdom. That we tend to think very minimalistic thoughts about what God does. We are often so satisfied with the fact that God has forgiven us and he set us free. When in reality, God wants to take us to deeper places. Because joy, deeper joy is found in the deeper places. A few months ago, a month or so ago, the eyes of the world were focused on the northern part of Thailand. As we watched that story unfold of the boys' soccer team trapped in a cave. And, and as you know, they were talking for a while, it was going to be months before they got out. And then they discovered that there were problems and they were going to need to expedite that rescue. And if you're like me, we were watching, we are paying attention, and, and people were cheering as, you know, they brought out the first a few boys at a time, and then they had to get things ready again, and they bring out a few more hours later, and then they had to wait till the next day. And, and there was cheering every time a group came out. But the, the real celebration came when the last players and the coach, who was the last one out, finally made it out, and everyone was safe. And, and they took him to the hospital. They checked him out. Amazingly, they were in fairly good health considering their experience. And I remember watching the video of the coverage of the, these boys and the coach leaving the hospital and climbing into vans to take them to their homes and wherever else they were going to go. And people were around them. They were cheering them. They were trying to hold back. They were so excited about what was happening. And, and I thought to myself... It's awesome that these boys have been rescued. It's, it's vital. But now, what are they going to do with their lives? What happens now? Is their only identity going to be, we were rescued from a cave, and sort of live off that the rest of their lives? Or are they going to say, we were rescued from a cave. We need to have significance for our lives. John Wesley, who was uh, the founder of our movement and other many others, was uh, his father was the was the uh, the, the rector of, of the church in Epworth, and the parishioners of the church weren't real fond of him. And uh, there is a there is a story that uh, some of them tried they did they burned down the parsonage, the rectory of the church, and it was on fire. And uh, they all got out except for John Wesley. And John was stuck in a room, and they finally a, a courageous firefighter climbed up the ladder and rescued him just before. The house collapsed. And Wesley's mother told him the rest of his life, you were a brand plucked from the burning. God rescued you for a purpose. And as Wesley got older, he loved to talk about that. And he loved to say, I'm a brand plucked from the burning. That God has a purpose for my life. And it's not just that I was rescued from a fire. Thank God for that. But it's that God wants to do more things with my life. And I think that's part of what the psalmist is saying. God is not about, the, God is never a minimalist. God is always looking to take us deeper, take us farther, to move us closer to him 
to move us into the deeper things of life with him because that's where the ultimate joy is found. The closer we are to him, the closer we are to the source of joy. And when you come to the, when you move on through the rest of these verses, it is in essence a sense of the psalmist saying and the people saying as they sing this song marching into Jerusalem, God, thank you for what you've done. Now take us to deeper places and we believe you're going to do it. When you read beginning in verse 4, and he says, Restore our fortunes, Lord, as streams renew the desert. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. I think the psalmist is giving us two pictures of what it looks like to go to those deeper places, to be restored. One of them is streams in the desert or streams in the Negev. The Negev is the desert area of Judah. The word Negev, dry, means dry, barren. And it is a dry, barren place. Nothing of any significance grows there as it doesn't in deserts. But there are times when the rains come and they come so forcefully and so powerfully and so much that it creates streams that run through this desert. And, and amazingly, within a day or two, after the rains have come and the streams have developed, there's actually foliage that begins to grow and flowers begin to come up right there in the desert because the stream has run through it. And there are times when God's work in our lives is immediate like that. There are times where we have these experiences with God that are deeper with him, that are in the moment and in the immediate. In our tradition uh, and other traditions like ours, there, there is this talk about a, a second work of grace or the, the deeper life with Christ. And often people are talking about crisis experiences. And I think God brings those to us sometimes. I have them in my own life. Moments when God put his finger on something in my heart and said, that is hurting you. That is keeping you from closeness with me. And we need to deal with that. And the moment that I let God deal with that, I was flooded with joy immediately. And there are these mile markers I can look back, these signposts to say, those were significant moments when God did something in my life. But sometimes we get so interested in the moments, we begin to worship the moments instead of the God who brings them. And I think the psalmist is also telling us, yes, there are those moments where you get streams in the desert and stuff pops up immediately. But I also think that the majority of the time, this, this movement to the deeper things of God is more of a journey than it is a moment. The writer talks about sowing and reaping, planting and harvesting. That takes time. I'm not a very patient farmer. You know, I want to plant seeds and the next day I'm out looking around seeing where's the stuff. But if you know much about farming, you plant the seeds and it takes time to grow. Planting and and, and Harvesting and sowing and reaping is a common metaphor that we find throughout the scriptures because it's the way of the journey of, the, of life with Christ. It takes time. It takes energy. 
It takes time because we often aren't ready for what God wants to do in us. It takes time because God wants to teach us things and work in us. We read earlier from Romans chapter 6 where he talked about how it, it produces, eventually perseverance produces character and produces hope. And it's that process that we need to walk through. And you will notice that the writer of the psalm says that they, they plant in tears and they weep as they go to plant. Seems an odd thing to do. I don't know that I've ever seen a farmer out crying, planting seed. But there is something about living an agrarian life that creates an atmosphere of stress and worry. We have a little garden in our backyard. Last year, it did pretty well, first, time, first year. This year, I think I put too much fertilizer or something on it because nothing came up except it's starting to come up a little bit now we're getting some i think at the end of the garden where i didn't put as much of that in there but you know we looked at and went well it didn't come up this year okay what are you going to do we'll buy things at the farmer's market instead but if what you plant and harvest is your livelihood that's a whole different thing if what you plant and harvest is, is the difference between having or not having food on your table or being able to pay your bills, that's a completely different thing. And when and we lived for a couple of years in our first pastorate, right in smack dab in the middle of a farming area in southwestern Wisconsin. Everyone around us was related to the farming and dairy industry. And I began to understand a bit more of, of what it's like to be a farmer when you're looking out at the field and you're thinking, is there going to be enough rain or too much rain? Enough sun, too much sun. Insects, blight, all these things that could make what you've done go wrong and severely affect your livelihood. And there is a sense of that in our walk with Christ is that sometimes I'm not sure we take it as seriously as we should. We look out at the garden and say, well, it didn't grow, whatever. It's not all that important to me. And the psalmist is saying it ought to be. Because this is about, not, this is about your relationship with God. This is the journey to joy. Are, and, and in the midst of that, there is this sense of trusting in God's promises that when we plant, God brings a harvest. And when we sow, God allows us to reap. And it's not always that we harvest and reap the things that we think we're going to get. But God knows better. And what we do know, is the psalmist says, what we do harvest, what we do reap, is joy. Because the very act of planting is an act of trust. And joy is connected to trusting God. Do we believe enough to plant? Do we believe enough? Do we trust God enough to do something about investing ourselves in this spiritual journey with Him? That no matter what we're going through, the curves, the turns, the ups and the downs, the struggles, the burdens, all the things we have to face, that in the end, God is going to bring us joy. But here's the thing it's not just in the end. The scriptures tell us that it's through the journey, too. There is a joy at the end that supersedes all the other joys. But there is joy in the journey as well. Because every step along the way, every step of trust we take, every step of faith we take, is opening our hearts a little bit more to the presence of the one who is the source 
of joy. And that's why Israel can celebrate not only what God has done, but the promise of what God is going to do. And they celebrate and rejoice in him. And we do that because we believe that God is abundantly gracious. That God is good. That God loves to rescue. While the other nations around Israel were stunned that God would bring them back, Israel wasn't really that stunned because God's been doing that all of their existence. This is who God is. This is what God does. Because God is good and gracious and merciful. It's his nature. It's his character. It's the very essence of who he is. He wants us to be people who experience his joy in the depths of our being. Because our hearts are open to him who is the source of joy. And that's why Jesus says, blessed are those who think and act and live like God. Because he is the source of joy and life. And that's what Jesus means when he says, I came to give you not just life, but abundant life. Life to the fullest. This is the very essence of who God is. And this is how God created us and has always been his intent. And nowhere do we see that more clearly than at this table. At this table, we are reminded of everything God has done for us in Christ. And we are given hope for what God is doing in the moment and what God is going to do in the future. As we come to this table this morning, we come in gratitude and thanksgiving, and we come in hope and faith, And we come in expectation as the people of God whom God has created us to be filled with joy. Holy Father, we thank you for all that you have done and for all that you are going to do. We thank you that you want more for us than we even want for ourselves. May it be so. Father, pour out the abundance of your blessing on the bread and the cup of which we partake today. May it be food for our souls that floods our hearts, our minds, every part of our being with your joy, with the essence of who you are. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, meeting with his disciples, he took bread. He gave thanks to the Father in heaven and he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples saying, take, eat. For this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. On the same night he took the cup. Again, he gave thanks to the Father in heaven and gave it to his disciples saying, drink from this all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for your sins and the sins of all people. Every time you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We are receiving communion this morning by the mode of intention. It just means to dip in 
And so as you're released by rose, come to the front, tear off a piece of bread, dip it into the cup, eat it. And then you may return to your seat by the outside aisle. The altar is always open if you want to stay and pray. If coming to the front is difficult for you, we have trays of bread and cups. We're happy to serve you in your seat. Just let the ushers know as your row is released. And I have gluten-free wafers and cups here. If you'd like those, just let me know as you come forward. I always like to mention that we practice open communion at the Wesleyan Church. This might be the first time that you've ever worshipped here. But if you come today with your heart open to God, with a desire for the grace of God to be evident and present in your life, then come, receive these gifts from our gracious, loving, Heavenly Father. As we come forward, we're going to sing about joy and about God's grace to us as well.
Receive the benediction. The Apostle Paul says to us, Rejoice in the Lord always. In all things, rejoice. Knowing that you are God's people, go and celebrate his greatness. Amen. Thank you.